Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. I hope that you have had a wonderful Christmas as well as a great beginning of your uh, new year. So here we are at the beginning of a, a new year. So I want to welcome you to uh, 2022. For me, I can't think of a better place for us to be than right here on the second day of a new year, gathered in God's house with God's people to spend some time worshiping God and his son, Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, there are those, you know, who look at, you know, celebrating uh, 2022 in kind of a negative way. They're more like, instead of celebrating 2022, they're celebrating the survival of 2021. Because the truth of the matter is, there's some truth in the fact that, you know, 2021 has been pretty rough on a number of people. It's been hard for an, a number of, of people. And yet at the same time, you know, I want to encourage you to think of 2022 as being a new year. And with a new year always comes new hope, new promises for our lives. I'm not saying that, you know, we ought to ignore COVID and the things that it has done to our nation or done to maybe even us as individuals or as families. But I want to encourage you to look at 2022 in a different kind of a way. But you might look at it in a way that, you know, God has some good plans for uh, who we are and what we are as a congregation, that he has plans for you, that he has plans for your family, that he has plans for our congregation. And you can see behind me a number of the plans that God has already placed before our congregation. So let me just share with you very briefly some of those things that are going to be happening in 22 that's going to make us really busy as a church family. There's going to be our, our men's retreat up at uh, Trinity Pines. That's always a highlight. There's going to be our community giveaway. We haven't done that in several years, and so we're going to bring that out in, in April, and you'll have a chance to you know, empty some of the things that you've been storing in your garage and in your closets at home. And, and our community, they really look forward to it, and every year they call and ask us, are you guys going to have the community giveaway where we're going to do it this year? Leadership and training in Christ, where we our teenagers uh, compete. Uh, in, in terms of just Bible knowledge, we're going to do a teen retreat in April. Uh, Treasure Valley uh, Mission, where we go out and help our community in, in great ways. And that's something not just for teenagers, but for us as adults. Uh, of course, preteen and teen uh, camps, Camp Ivydale's Youth Rally up in September. A ladies retreat in September. A leaf raking event, which doesn't only involve teenagers, but adults as well. And of course, our Mission Sunday. And you might recall that this year was the first year that we did a Mission Sunday, and it was a hit. I just thought it was wonderful that we were able to Skype and talk with at least four of our missionaries and the things that they are doing in uh, the various countries that they are, are serving and the fact that we are supporting them and helping them out. Let me share with you now a couple of events that are going to come our way that are going to be new to our congregation. One is our widow ministry that's going to begin this month on January the 15th and so if you are a part of that group it's going to be a wonderful group to be a part of because it's a it's a group that's going to be able to support and encourage one another and we're going to start off with a catered meal on January the 15th and so be thinking about that that's just a week or so away a couple weeks away and then you know we haven't done this in a while but we're going to have a a barbecue picnic in the park in the afternoon and then that evening we're going to have a concert in the park where we're going to invite a singing group to come and and they're going to share with us through song a message and we're going to invite our community to be a part of that as well as sister congregations but that's going to be a great event and so you'll want to be thinking about that 
Of course, we haven't done the Guatemala mission trip in several years now because of COVID, but you know, by God's will, we'll do, be able to do so this year. And so if you haven't went on this mission trip, I would encourage you to think about doing so. And if you've already been, I would, think, I would encourage you to go back because that is a great trip. It's a great faith-building trip, but you encourage a lot of the a church family over the, down there in Guatemala. And so the Guatemala mission effort, talk to Clint Davidson about that. He will be the one that's going to be leading that uh, trip. And this one behind me is the one that I'm really excited about. And for the first time, we're going to have a congregational family retreat. It's going to be up at Trinity Pines. They have a huge lodge there. I mean, like twice as large as this place here, maybe even more so than that. You won't have to cook any meals because all the meals are going to be provided for you. We're going to have campfire devotionals and fireside devotionals. We're going to have an, an evening where we're going to do a talent show. We'll have a few sessions that we're going to teach about uh, family and the things that are connected with that. Uh, they're going to be games. It's going to be a wonderful time as a congregation. They have uh, several huge uh uh, cabins up there that are multi-family cabins i think there's like seven of them they have dormitories they have areas for you to park rvs at there are places to put up a, a tent it's just a wonderful uh, place to be and so i would really encourage you to think about august the 5th through the 7th uh, that we meet up there and that we just have this retreat together as the family of god then of course friends day which is also our fireside devotional but this year we're going to have the great ice cream giveaway and more information will be coming that because it's going to be an evangelistic event where we're going to reach out to our community with ice cream. It's going to be a great time together with one another. And then finally is our theme for this year is light the fire for our lectureship. And it's going to be a great one. We've already got our speakers in line. And so that's going to be a great time. So like I said, there's a lot of plans that are already being placed into motion as a congregation. And, and I hope that you'll be praying about those events that those things will be able to take place without us having to, you know, uh, you know stop them because of, of COVID. So welcome to 2022. Now remember last week as we ended the last part of the year, I talked to you about God's call to commitment out of Exodus, the 19th chapter. You might open your Bibles to that section. That's where we're going to be this morning. But God called us to commitment. And you recall that part of that commitment has to do with the fact that, you know, Jesus wants us to be fully uh, sold out for, for God. And so in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 34 and following, Jesus says, called his, the multitudes of people to himself, and he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him or her deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That brings us to the, the you know, the great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind which leads to the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit those things all combined is what makes a great church it's what makes a great family of god and so if we will take those things very seriously and be sold out in our commitment to god then i think great things are going to happen for us as a congregation and we'll make a good impact on the community in which we live well, I ended this, the lesson by talking to you about this ancient Roman proverb that was spoken about 150 to 170 A.D. And the words were, fortune favors the brave. And the idea of that is that it's a proverb that beseeches people to be brave enough to go outside their comfort zone, to face their fears, and to be willing to maybe risk a little bit in causing something good to happen. 
Now, the difficulty with that is, is when you talk about this, this phrase, fortune favors the brave, what I didn't tell you and what Matt Damon hasn't told you about this phrase is, is that it involves danger. For instance, Matt Damon, he talked about investing in cryptocurrency. He talked about, you know, this idea of fortune favors the brave. You should be brave and be willing to make a risk in this kind of, of you know, investment. What he didn't tell you is that it has, you know, high risk, high returns, but there is a possibility that you can lose everything in the process of it. It's the same way when you talk about this phrase that was brought about, you know, back in 150 to 170 A.D. and came forward. Because in 79 A.D., Mount Suvius, it, it, it erupted. When it erupted, it was catastrophic. It killed thousands and thousands of people. It buried the city of Pompeii in ash and in toxic gas, as well as all the city environs that were around that. There's a fellow by the name of Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder was, well, he was a philosopher. He was an educator. He was a, a writer. He was also friends with Vespasian, which was the emperor. And so the emperor made him the commander over his army as well as the navy. And when he it came to his mind or his his uh, his mind that you know Vesuvius had erupted and that Pompeii and Stubia had been almost obliterated, he decides to sell an armada across the Gulf of Naples to the southern part of Italy in order to provide rescue for some of the citizens and for his best friend that was there. And so they sailed across the Gulf of Naples, and they came to the port city of Stibia, which is about three and a half, four miles from Pompeii. It, too, was buried in ash. And as they came upon the scene and the port its, itself, the helmsman said to Pliny, we should not go in there. There was ash that was still falling. Pumice stone was still falling. The gases were still there. And he said, we shouldn't go into that port because if we go into the port, we're going to get trapped there and we're going to die. To which Pliny said to him, fortune favors the brave. And so they sailed in. And they sailed in and they did get trapped. And Pliny died there. Some say he died of a heart attack. Some say he had asthma and that the toxic gases killed him. We don't know, but the fact of the matter is he sailed into a dangerous situation and he ended up dying because of it. So fortune does favor the brave, but there are risks that are involved in it. And that's why I kind of changed the thing up and said that fortune favors the faithful. What I probably should have said is that blessings favor the faithful. Those who are faithful to God, those who are sold out to God. So last week I talked to you about God's commitment to, God's call to commitment. This morning I want to talk to you about God's call to faithfulness. In Exodus, the 19th chapter, in that section of Scripture, you remember what uh, God through Moses said to the people. He says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be a treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the, to the Israelites. And Moses does it. Now, back with me up a year before this scene here. A year before this takes place at Horeb or Sinai, also called the mountain of, of God, Moses had been tending his father-in-law's sheep in Midian. And he had pastured his flock 
at the foothills of Horeb or Sinai. It must have been good property for him to do that, but he's got his sheep there, and he notices near the side of a mountain, he notices a, a bush that was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. So he went over to the bush to investigate what was going on there. Do you remember what God said to Moses as he approaches the bush? He says to them, or to him, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. The place on which you stand is holy ground. The foothills or the mountain of God, God sees as a holy place. And this is the place that the children of Israel are, are brought to a year later. They exit out of Egypt. They've been in the wilderness for 50 years. And now they come to the foot of Mount Sinai. And God says to them, I want a commitment out of you. If you'll obey my words, if you'll keep my covenants, then here's who you will be. You'll be a treasured people. You'll be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a, a, a holy nation. And they agreed to it. But God wanted more than just that out of them. He wanted a commitment from them. He, and so it's a call to faithfulness. Look at Exodus chapter 19, if you would now. And notice what he says, beginning in verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, the children of Israel says that we'll do it. We're in. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready on the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on the mountains, uh, Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through with arrows, whether beast or men. Our man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready on the third day, only do not go near a woman or have sexual relationships. So he, he lays a, a fairly strong commitment to them, and then he asks for this faithfulness. And then he says to them, as you come to the mountain, I want you to understand that there are boundaries. And so God has put a boundary around the mountain. God has put a fence around the mountain, or he has set limits around the mountain, and he has told the people that they are not to go past it. So one of the things when it comes down to a call to faithfulness is that of setting boundaries. The thing you need to know about God is God is a God of boundaries, that God has certain boundaries that he has placed. There are things that you do not do. There are places that you do not go, and there are things that you don't say. And he does it in like 613 laws he's going to give to them later on. But he says there are certainly, there's going to be a set of boundaries that are in life. There's a boundaries around the mountain, but there's also boundaries in life itself. And the same can be said even when you talk about New Testament people or talking about Christians such as you and, and, and me, that God has set boundaries around us. He has set boundaries that he expects of us. 
Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to notice what he says in verses 17 through uh, verse uh, 20. Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 20. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. So when you look at that section of scripture, he's saying here are some boundaries that you need to think about. Don't touch these things is what he's saying. And he's saying that because he says you are a holy people. Remember we saw last week out of Peter that Peter, said, Peter says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possessions. That's who we are. And that we are, to, uh, we are to proclaim the praises of God who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We're to be different from the world in which we live. Over in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 19 down through actually 22, God says there are two ways for you to look at, at life. Two ways to think about life. One is God's way. And in God's way, God says, listen, if you follow my way, then your life is going to feel, be filled with love. Your life is going to be filled with joy. You're going to experience peace. You're going to be able to be patient with one another. There's going to be kindness and there's going to be compassion. All the fruit of the Spirit are going to be yours. But if you choose to go the world's way, it's going to be a completely different kind of story. It's not going to be a good thing. Listen to what he says, verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, etc., etc. He says when you cross these boundaries, life is not going to be good for you. It's going to be hard on you. So he's saying you don't want to go there. You don't want to cross that line because if you choose to cross God's boundaries, you do so at your own peril. And as you look at the last verse of verse 21, there he says, those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Which what he's saying is that those that do those things are going to go to hell. So make sure you don't cross the boundaries. There are boundaries that are there for your good. And so as you think about 2022, we need to be willing to, be, to, to look at the boundaries that God has set and that we set our boundaries found within the word of God and that we make sure we don't cross beyond them because there's danger when you do so. So several years ago on Lori and I's last trip to Cameroon, um, on the afternoon one day, you know, it's hot there as all blue blazes and we have a break in the afternoon. And so from 12 o'clock to about 1.30, we have a break, and so it was hot, and so we decided to go down to this little, this little ice cream kind of shop called Glacier Monde, and we were going to go down, and so we jumped on, hopped on these little machines, these little motorcycles, and we drove down there, took a ride down there, and we got out, and when we got out, we looked across the street from Glacier Monde, and there was a, uh, like a bank, and there was a military guy there. He's a major in the Army, okay? In, in Cameroon. That means you're big stuff. If you are any kind of officer in the army there, you are big stuff. You got lots of power. 
And the guy across the street was a major, and he was a brother in Christ. So we knew him. He attends City de la Paix, and so we hailed him, and we crossed the street, and we're talking to him. He has some military guys with him who are his bodyguards. They're all armed to the teeth. And we're having this casual conversation with him. And during this casual conversation, Jim reaches over and touches the guy's arm. In a very friendly kind of way, he grabs his arm and just touches his arm. And the other military guys brought their weapons up. His bodyguards brought his weapons up. And the, and the major kind of gave them the, the look and they put their weapons down and it was okay. So Jim took his hand off the, the major's shoulder and then we were, were talking a little bit, and then we left and went to the other side of the street, and John claude he was like, he's a black guy, but he almost looks white. And he says, man, Jim, never do that. Never, you never touch a military man, especially an officer. You never touch them. You don't touch the military. You don't touch the gendarme. You don't touch policemen. You never touch them like that. That is a boundary you must never cross because it's dangerous you could end up being thrown in jail that major if he had had a superior drive by and saw that you uh, a civilian had casually put a hand on him he would have been in severe problems he would have had a severe problem on his hand he would be demoted you know it would have been dangerous for you never cross that line well that's what god is saying to the children of israel you never cross the line so faithfulness not only means that you set perimeters in your life or boundaries in your life but faithfulness requires that you enforce the boundaries as well when you look at verses 12 and 13 that we read a few moments ago remember what god said to them he said set the boundary the fence the perimeter around the mountain no one is to cross that boundary and if they cross that boundary what does he say is going to happen to that person well, they said if a man or any person or an animal crosses that line, you are to stone them to death. You're to shoot them through with arrows, but you are not to touch them. Who was to enforce the boundaries? Well, the children of Israel were to enforce the boundaries. They're to make sure that the other Israelites did not cross that boundary, or they're going to be stoned, or they're going to be shot with, with arrows. Man or, or beast. Now, it's God's mountain. So since it's God's mountain, why does he say, I'm not going to punish the people? You are. If they touch my mountain, I'm not going to kill them. You are. He puts the responsibility upon them. Why does he do that? Because there's something about the holiness of God, the glory of God that is to be honored and to some degree even protected this mountain is the mountain of god this is holy ground you are not to touch it you are a human being and you are responsible for making sure that happens now if it had been me or you in fact as i looked at the text and read through it do you know what no one crossed that boundary no one got stoned that we read about no one got shot with an arrow well why was that well because if it had been you or me, and we were standing at the boundary, if you will, of God's mountain, and you loved your family and you loved your friends and you saw someone approach the boundary, what would you do? Well, you would make sure that they're held back from that. You would do everything you could 
to ensure their safety. You would honor God's command, but you would also love your friend or your family member that you would make sure that they would not do something that would get them shot or stoned. It's the same thing when you talk about us today. Even in the church, there are boundaries that we are to enforce as God's people. Now, 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 7, that section of Scripture is, has always been an interesting a section of Scripture because Paul is going to severely rebuke the church at Corinth for not enforcing the boundaries that God has established. Look at what he says. Verse 1, it's actually been reported that there is immorality among you and immorality of such a kind that it's not even exist even among non-believers or Gentiles that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that, uh, so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged him who has committed this as though I were present. You haven't set the boundaries, so I'm setting the boundaries, is what Paul is saying. And in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, when the power of the Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened, for Christ our Passover also has sacrificed. What he's saying is, Jesus has established some boundaries. God has established some boundaries. And you need to enforce the boundaries yourselves. You need to do that. Why? Because he says, because if you let this go, then like leaven leavens, a little leaven leavens a whole lump, you can destroy a church. You can destroy the family of God by just ignoring sin in the ranks, if you will. Even Galatians, the sixth chapter and verse one says, if anyone is cut, caught in a trespass, if anyone is caught in a sin, if anyone has trespassed the boundaries that God has established in his word, you are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, knowing that you also can be tempted. So God lays a pretty, you know, he lays on us the responsibility to enforce boundaries. And that's part of the purpose of the church. Part of the purpose of the church is God has established boundaries and that we need to help people uh, in, in avoiding crossing those lines. One last thing that I get from this section of scripture that was a lesson to me, and that is faithfulness requires uh, consecration. Now, in verses 10 and 11 and verse 15, remember what God says to Moses. He says, I'm going to meet with the people at the mountain. They're not to cross the boundary. Here's what you need. You need to go and you need to consecrate the people. You need to set them apart. Here's how you're going to do it. Tell them to wash their clothes. They've been in a desert for like 50 days camping. And God says, I want to meet with you, but I want you to wash your clothes. Wash yourselves up. And I don't want you to have any sexual relationship with a woman. That's off balance. I don't want anything to distract you from what's going to happen at the mountain. Important stuff is going to, to happen. So what does it mean to consecrate oneself? Well, it means to make a declared uh, as something that's as sacred, to, that you're going to set apart it apart and dedicate it to the service of of God 
So that's what the word consecrate means. It simply means to be set apart for an intended purpose, something that is sacred, something that has to do with, with God. There are two words that are a lot like the word consecrate, and it's the word sanctify or the, way, or the word holy or holiness. So God is saying, Moses, I want you to sanctify the people. I want you to make holy the people, set the people apart, tell them to wash their clothes, tell them not to have sexual relationships, and that's how it is with us. Look at what 1 Peter 1, verses 15 through 16 says when it comes to us. But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We're expected to be holy people. We're expected to stay on this side of the boundary. We're expected to be washed people, clean people who have been set apart by the blood of Jesus that has washed us of our sins and made us a special possession of God, a holy nation, a royal priesthood who has a great mission. So Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I think the New American says, which is your reasonable uh, spiritual worship. In other words, we offer ourselves to God as holy people. And because of that, we conduct ourselves by staying on the right side of the boundary. So here's the question for you. How might we consecrate ourselves and be more like the Israelites? Well, they were told to, for three days to prepare to meet God. They were told to, to, to wash and to sanctify themselves. They were told to abstain from anything that might distract them from focusing on God. That's what they were to do. So how might we prepare to do the same thing in 2022? Okay, so one of the things we might think about doing is for three days this week, I want to encourage you to find something uh, that you can abstain from. Something that you're just not going to do because you're going to focus in on what's going to be happening in 2022 and all the things that we're going to be doing as a, a congregation. Anything that would distract you from focusing on, on God, uh, anything that would distract you from the realization that our congregation's activities depend on, on him and our being holy in his presence. Okay, you, you see where I'm going with this? Remember last week I, I talked to you about Abraham Lincoln going and listening to this preacher? And after he was done, remember his aide asked him, Mr. President, what did you think of the sermon? He said, well, I, it was a well-thought-through sermon. It was eloquently presented. So you thought it was a great sermon? He says, no, the preacher failed because he didn't ask us to do something great. Well, I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe it's not going to be great, but it's going to challenge you that for three days next week, that there's, there's something in your life that you need to say, I'm going to back off away from that. So what are, those, what are some things? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. When you first look at these, you're going to say, these are a piece of cake. But when you really think about you and your practice, it may be a challenge, more challenging than you think. Can you abstain from playing on your computer or your iPad for three days? No Facebook. For three days. These are just suggestions, okay? I'm not telling you these are the ones you got to do. I'm simply saying, can you do that? Can you keep from playing that video game that you play every day? Or that Facebook where you're kind of being a voyeur and seeing what's going on? 
Can you abstain from TV for three days? No TV. No I Love Lucy. No NCIS. None of that stuff. Or you can abstain from eating. I was talking to Lori about this last night, and I said to her, okay, I was telling her what I was going to say. And I said, you know what? I think I'd rather abstain from eating than my iPad. She goes, three days is a long time. I've been away from my iPad. It's a long time, Lori. Kind of joking there, by the way. but Or you figure it out. But what are, what's something that you're so attached to that you could give up for three days? And during those three days, during that time that you set yourself off from that activity, you pray about the act- upcoming activities of the new year. We've got 16 activities. All of them are going to affect not only those within the body here, but it's going to affect those outside the body who are lost. And you all have calendars because Lori's put a calendar in every one of your boxes. If you haven't got that way, then you see her and she'll make sure, but she'll give you a calendar of all the activities that we do, and there's a lot of them. And you be praying about those things. Be praying that for our holiness and our purity as a congregation. Pray for our dedication to serving God with our whole heart, with our, our, our soul, with, with our whole mind. That we really do take serious God's greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. For three days, the children of Israel were said, prepare yourselves, sanctify yourselves. I want to meet with you three days from now. That's a challenge for us. Blessings favor the brave, those who are willing to risk, to get outside their box. Blessings favor the faithful. And so God's call to faithfulness. As he called the children of Israel to faithfulness, he's calling us today to be faithful to him in all that we do. So how are you doing? How are you doing as we get into this new year? We're only two days in. There's a lot of time ahead of us. You know, 360, what, three more days, four if you count this one here, that are ahead of us where we can do great things uh, for God, great things for one another. I believe God has great plans for you, great plans for your family, great plans for our church family when we're all in it together with one another. So the lesson is yours, your response as well, where together we stand and while we sing.